Welcome everyone to Knox Game Design for January 2024. My name is Levi Smith. So this month I'll be talking about OpenGL. So this is a, a library that I used a long time ago. The first graphics library that I used for doing 3D. Um, and it, it's still available today. Um, so yes, yeah, so a 3D graphics library. Typically uh, I've used C, but uh, there are probably language bindings for many languages with OpenGL. Um, so you can use it for either generating just images or you can do animations or even games with it. Uh, when you get in starting looking at the library, there'll be three types of methods that you can use. Uh, first is the GL, those are the core library methods. Then there's glue, GLU, those are the utility me methods. And then there's GLUT, GLUT, which is for window windowing and device and keyboard input. So first of all, I'm going to talk about how to set up your development environment. So first of all, I'll be using uh, MSYS2. It's kind of like a, a Unix-style uh, environment for Windows. So you just got to go out and get MSYS2. There, there'll be different, what the, I guess they call platforms. Make sure you're using the MinGW64. It'll be the, the, the blue icon with the big M2 right there. So once you get this installed, once you get your MSYS2 installed, make sure, first thing you just want to do is uh, just make sure you get your C compiler working. So you want to install GCC and uh, get that running and just write a simple test C program. Um, so you want to have GCC and also FreeGlut, GLEW, Glue, and LibPNG. Um, so here's the command down here for installing those all in one uh, command uh, within MinGW64. So let me exit out of this. And here's our MinGW right here. So I've got examples here. I'm going to show how to like, just get a simple game up and running in, in uh, open using OpenGL libraries within MinGW64 within MSYS2, but but I'll be using VIM, uh, the VI editor. It's OpenGL 01.c. So first of all, you'll just want to include standard I/O to just print something to the screen, and we'll probably also want to go ahead and include GL slash glut. Make sure that our libraries are are working here, and then. We're just going to have our default main method int main void and then print f hello open gl then return zero so i went ahead and created a make file for all of these examples so you can just like compile all these examples i'll put these out in a, uh, a repository but uh, if you just do make uh, in the current directory then it will comp compile all these but yeah you'll want to use gcc um, if you're compiling it by hand and not using a make file. Yes, yeah, so to compile this, you'll just want to do GCC, um, OpenGL01.c. Then we add these flags L3 glut, then L OpenGL32, LGLU32, and LM for the math library. So by default, that creates a a dot exe, so you can just do dot forward slash a, and then that'll say hello OpenGL. 
But yeah, if you use the make file, you don't have to worry about that. You just run make, and that will compile everything. You can run make clean to delete all the exes, and you can run make, and then that will automatically compile all these for you. So yeah, it helps having a make file just so that uh, when you go back to recompile things, you don't have to um, remember all those flags. So, okay, so we got a basic C program working in Hello World. So, yeah, this is what I did add include GLGLUT to your test C program. So, yeah, I went ahead and did that in the previous example. So, I guess the first step is just getting it working with standard IO.h. Then you can add to check and see if the library works. So, so if that fails, just, just remove the GLGLUT and just make sure you can get the standard IOH to, to print out hello OpenGL. And uh, here, here's the command right here. You can specify the output file right here, output OpenGL, and then you do dot forward slash OpenGL01, should say hello OpenGL. Okay, so this is the next step after you just get a simple program to compile, C program compile, we want to display windows to the screen. So that's where we use the glut commands. So uh, you can add those glut commands to open a window and start the, the game. Well, I call it a game loop, I guess it's just a program loop. So you call glut init, that initializes OpenGL. Um, then you set glut init display mode. Um, and you pass in some parameters, glut single and glut RGB. And then you pass in the window size using glut init window size. Pass in the width and height. I'll be using 1280 by 720. Then you can do glut init window position. So you can set the position. I'm just going to have it in the upper left hand corner at 00. Call glut create window to create the window. And you can pass in the title for that window. And then you can use glut display funk f-u-n-c to set the method that's going to use the, to, to call for drawing and then you call glut main loop yes yeah, so here's the second example opengl02.c so you can see we have all the window drawing code or the window code to make the window display in here we just do opengl02 so you can see here, we just got a, a, a blank window, but that's the first thing you want to do after you make sure your compiler is working. Just make sure that you can get a blank window to display. So the next step is to add some points to the screen. So we're going to use just uh, our basic cornflower blue background, and then we're going to draw four points onto the screen. Um, so we're going to use geo clear color to set cornflower blue, geo point size to draw the size of our points. By default, I think it just draws one pixel, which is kind of hard to see. So we increase that up to 10. Use geo matrix mode, set it to geo projection, geo load identity to reset the, the, the matrix. And then glue ortho 2D to set the, the 2D projection slides here. So yeah, we're going to use minus 12.8, 12.8, minus 7.2 to 7.2. If you realize that's actually 1280 divided by 100 and 720 divided by 100, just to keep the aspect ratio the same size as um, as the window. So if your window size changes, you may need to change those. Uh, we're going to update the display method, so we're going to use GeoClear and pass in GeoColor buffer blit, 
and then GeoColor 3F to set the color of the points that we're drawing, and then GeoBegin, GeoPoints to start drawing points, GeoVertex2i to uh, specify the positions of the four five points we want to draw, um, and then GeoEnd at the end, and GeoFlush to make sure everything's drawn to the screen. So uh, open GeoO3, go back to our demo over here, BIM GLO3. So you can see here we added the glue ortho 3 2D right here. And then here's where we're updating the display and drawing the five points. So if we run open GLO3, then we see a screen. It may be hard to see, but we do have our four points right here. Yeah, so the next step is just to draw a square polygon. So in our display, we're going to call GeoBegin instead of GeoPoints to draw a polygon. And we're going to use GeoVertex2F to draw the five points of the polygon. This is just going to be a blue polygon. Take a look at that. Go over here. MGL. So you can see here is where we updated to draw the blue polygon right there. Nothing else has really changed. Open GL04. So you can see that we got our basic blue polygon to display right there. Um, the next step after that is to actually draw a cube. So kind of modeled this off of a Rubik's cube. Uh, but we're going to use GeoLookAt to draw the key or set the, the way the camera is looking at. So it takes nine parameters, three sets of XYZ coordinates. The first is the XYZ coordinate of the camera, where the camera is located. The second set of coordinates is the look at position uh, where it's looking at. So in this example, we're going to be looking at zero, zero, zero. And then the third one is the camera up. So we're going to have the camera uh, up facing upward. Um, so if you're doing like a car game or something where you can rotate the camera and the car like rolls on to the side, you could change that Y up to roll the camera. But in most cases, we're just going to have that at zero one zero. We're going to call GL, GL enable GL depth test. Um, that needs to be set. Otherwise, the polygons will be drawn on top of each other. It's going to kind of look like papers stacked on top of each other if you don't call this. So if you see that effect, that's something I usually run into. Every time I get into OpenGL, I forget to set GL-enable, GL GL-depth test, and I get that weird effect. Uh, we also want to call GL-enable coalface. That way we're not drawing both sides of the polygon. And then GL-depth mask, set that to GL-true, passing GL-true. Um, by default, that's set to true, but it doesn't hurt to set it anyway. And uh, in display, we're going to use GL Clear, GL Color Buffer Blit. Then we also want to set GL Depth Buffer Blit. Uh, we want to add that depth buffer blit, otherwise polygons won't be clear. Then set GL Matrix Mode to GL Model View. So we want to look at the code. Five. So this is basically it. I added the glue look at right there in our init, setting the positions of glue look at right there. Then we're going to enable coal face depth test and set GL depth mask. And this is the actual code for drawing the cube right here. So we're going to set each face a different color. Like the top's going to be white, one, one, one. The front's going to be 
Uh, green, zero, one, zero. The back's going to be yellow, one, one, zero. The left side's going to be orange, one, point six, four, seven, zero. Uh, the right side is going to be one or red. We're going to be one zero zero. And then bottom, which we're not going to see actually, is going to be zero zero one, which is blue. So we do OpenGL five, and there, there there's a cube right there. It really doesn't do anything yet, but we 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 did draw the cube to the screen. So here's some mistakes that I know I've ran into in the past. So on the first one on the left side, you start seeing this hollow effect or you start seeing faces missing. That's because your normals are facing the wrong way. So typically, I believe you want to draw your your uh, set your points in a clockwise direction. And then the normal will be facing outward, the face that you actually see. Um, so it'll look like that after enabling GL cold face. Um, that way we don't draw those sides of the polygon. Because you've got a model with thousands of polygons on it, you don't want to draw the insides of those polygons too, because you're never going to see those. Uh, here's that stacking effect I talked about if you don't enable GL depth test. Um, so it's like this blue is the bottom, but it got drawn, the blue was drawn last, but it's going to appear on top of all the other polygons, which is wrong. So if you see that effect, make sure that GL enable GL depth test is, is, is called, um, or yeah. And then in the final one, if you don't see anything at all, then GL depth mask is not enabled. Like I said, it should be enabled by default unless you explicitly set to GL false. So next thing we want to do is get keyboard input. So uh, there is a keyboard handler provided by GLUT, G-L-U-T. Uh, you call GLUT keyboard func that specifies a function you want to be called when the key is pressed. That takes three parameters, uh, a char, inside char, the key, uh, X, an int X, and an int Y for the X and Y position of the mouse when the key is pressed. Um, that's not guaranteed to be every update. So it's kind of like the old school games when it gets called once and then it gets called rapidly later. Um, what you really want to do if you're really making a game is like detect when it's down and then detect when it's up and then uh, and then set your velocity that way. Another downside to this is the, the char that it returns is the actual character and not the keyboard scan code. So you don't get like arrow keys and things like that. So you just specify the the letter lowercase letter of the key that's pressed or like in the case of escape you use 27. um it would be nice if it just returned the keyboard scan code and let you handle it yourself or made they made functions for that but you got to realize opengl like uh was created back in the 90s uh so it is an older library um, so when your keyboard handler, you want to call glut or actually in your main, you want to call glut keyboard function, pass in the name of the function of your keyboard handler. You can call that whatever you want. I just call it the keyboard handler. Um, and yeah, that's all you need to get that working. So escape, uh, VIM up in GLA six. And you can see here, right here, here's my keyboard handler function right here with the key and the X and Y. So basically, I got some statements. It's not going to do anything yet. 
this is just to prove that OpenGL06. So it's not going to, anything's going to happen yet, but it, when I press the keys, it's going to say move left, move right, move up, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that's just proving that when you press a key, that something happens. So the next step is to actually react to that key press. Um, so what we want to do is create three floats for storing the X, Y, and Z position of our object, our cube, and then a rotation value, float rotation value. Um, and then we're going to use the functions GL translate. So you basically got three transforms, uh, translate, rotate, and scale. I'm not going to be talking about scale in this talk. Uh, we're just going to be looking at translation and rotation. Um, so we're going to use those function. Uh, what I want to do is always call before I start to draw an object called GL push matrix and GL pop matrix. That ensures all of the transformations are only being applied to this object that I'm looking at. Uh, developed a game a long time ago called Tetra City, uh, where I was drawing buildings. And before every building that I drew, I'd call GL push matrix and GL pop matrix and call uh, usually called identity after I pushed the matrix too. Uh, that way it doesn't like your your transforms don't affect things like your camera and, and other things like that. Um yeah, so every time we press a key, every time the key gets fired, we're gonna rotate. If it's a rotation key, we're gonna rotate it uh 10 degrees. Like if you press A, we're gonna subtract off 10 degrees. If you press D, we're gonna add 10 degrees. Uh if you press S, then we're gonna move back 0.1 units. If we press W, we're going to add Z 0.1 units. Uh, then Q and E are going to move it left and right, and we're, it's going to translate left and right in world coordinates. And we also want to make sure we call GLUT post redisplay after our key is fired. Eventually, we'll put that in an update method, but uh, right now we'll just put it in our, after our keyboard handler gets fired. And oh, by the way, I'll go ahead and mention. So, the book, I took a compu uh, computer graphics course when I was from my undergrad degree at Georgia Tech. Uh, this is the book we use: Computer Graphics, Foley, Van Dam, Finer, and Hughes. It says second edition in C, but there's I've looked through it. There's not a lot of C code, but there's uh, if you want to know all of like the math and how these matrices get can't uh, get calculated uh, and all the the theory and logic behind like creating canonical view volumes and all that it's all in this book and written by some smart people that are members of SIGGRAPH and and all that there, there I will say there's not a lot even though it says in C there's not a lot of C code in here it's more math and, and theory if you want to know the details behind all this. Um, but if you do want examples uh, for OpenGL, this is kind of like the book that everybody had, OpenGL Programming Guide. Uh, this does go into depth. A lot of these examples you can find online. I'll put links to references. Uh, but if you want actual C OpenGL code, this is a, a better book right here. And it does have some pictures and nice things as well. And it does go into a little bit of theory. Uh, but it doesn't go as in-depth as the computer graphics, the Foley book. Okay. 
go back. Okay, so this is the next example. So here's translating from left to, or no, this is translating on the z-axis. So here's close to the the viewer, the camera. And then as you press, as it goes in the positive z direction, it's going to go further back. Um, here's the cube rotating left and right, so you can see where it's rotated. And here's where it's translated on the x-axis, so it goes from the left side to the right side. So, and by the way, this is the got the camera at negative one one three, so it's kind of up and to the left a little bit. Okay, so we're going to look at OpenGL07. Go to the top. So here's why I added the the floats for tracking the location and rotation. And our cube drawing code stays the same. No, the only change that's happened with the cube drawing code is I added like the push matrix right here and then the translate and the rotate right there. And everything else should be the same. So we're going to run OpenGL07. So here's our cube. So I'm going to press D going to rotate and a is going to rotate so you can see it's not firing every frame so if i press w to go positive z it's like going to go back and into the screen if i press s then it's going to come out toward the screen and then if i press q and e it basically moves it to the left and right But if we're making a real game, objects further away should appear smaller than objects up close. Um, and you weren't seeing that with the orthographic projection. So we're going to remove GL ortho. Then we're going to add glue perspective. Uh, that takes these parameters, the angle. That, so that's basically the field of view. Uh, it goes from uh, zero, which is no field of view all the way open to 180, which is everything. Um, typically, I set that from 45 to 60. I think if you use Unity, that sets it to 60 by default. Uh, you, also, you also want to set a front clipping plane and a back clipping plane as parameters. Um, and also, you know, the next one is aspect ratio. And that's normally the width of the window divided by the height, which I have it. 1.7778. If you divide 120 by 1280 by 720, that equals 1.7778. So if the window size changes, then you may need to sit, reset that aspect ratio. Uh, then you have the front clipping plane, which is how far in front of the camera to start drawing. Typically, I have set something small like 0 0.1 uh, because you don't want to draw something right on the camera, but just in, start drawing in front. Then you want to set the back clipping plane. I think in this example, I have it set to 50, but that's when the camera stops drawing objects, that canonical view volume, that's where it gets cut off. So if you have a game with a whole bunch of objects, hundreds of objects, then it won't draw anything past uh, that back clipping plane. And that's something you need to consider because uh, that could cause slowdown if you have too many things on the screen that you're trying to draw. So you want to set that, that black clipping plane not so far away that's drawing everything. But another consideration you need to 
uh, be aware of is things like pop in. If you're playing a racing game, then things come in. They'll just appear to pop in um, when they get in front of that back clipping plane. Uh, you can kind of mask that with things like fog, um, but you just need to consider that. So here's what it looks like with the perspective view. So the cube starts close to the camera, then you can move it further back and further back. So it's kind of like the same thing, but as it gets further away, you notice it does get smaller. Uh, what was that? Eight. Open yellow eight. So here's where we're setting the projection. So we just commented out glue ortho and we added glue perspective. So I'm using 60 degrees, 1.7778, 0 0.1 for the front clipping plane and 50 for the back clipping plane. Um, our cube stays the same. I did add a draw floor so it gets this checkerboard floor effect. Basically I'm adding the 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 row uh, plus the column. I'm drawing a bunch of little, like, little squares on the floor. So if you add the row plus the column, then take your modulo of two, then um, that's going to be black if it equals to zero, but if it equals one, then it's going to be gray. So that gives you a checkerboard effect. So kind of makes it, you actually get a perspective of where that cube is on the floor. So open GLO8 so here it is so if I press W then it's going to move positive in the Z direction but you can see where that back clipping plane is that 50 so as I go past 50 then that cube's going to get erased um, you can still like rotate your cube move it forward and move it left and right So as you notice, as it gets moved back, then it gets bigger. So you weren't seeing that with the orthographic projection. You only get that with the perspective. I'm not going to talk much about lighting, but uh, uh, I will mention that if you turn on lighting and you've like made something in OpenGL by default, you're not going to see the colors that you specified with GL color 3F. Uh, it doesn't have any effect when lighting is on. Uh, not by default. I think there is a way that I've read to go in and, and make that work, but typically it doesn't work by default. What I like to do is specify material with GL material FV. Uh, you pass in the parameter GL front, the type and material. You can set different uh, uh, lighting properties of a material, such as the, the diffuse color, using GL diffuse, GL diffuse value instead of color. Uh, there's also things where you can set the specular and shininess and things like that. Uh, use GL light FV to set light properties such as diffuse ambient and the position of uh, light. You enable lighting with GL enable GL lighting. Then you can specify those proper, you enable specific lights with GL enable light than the number such as light zero so i think you have eight eight lights that you can use uh light zero to light seven uh, also be aware one thing i always run into problems with with OpenGL is i turn on the lighting and then nothing happens so what the problem is is you got to actually specify normals with gl normal 3f for each vertex 
on your model. Uh, this reminds me why I hated OpenGL, because <laughs> uh, calculating normals isn't fun. Uh, you can use like the normal of the polygon, but it really needs to be like sticking out from the corner of the vertex. So if you use the normal of the of just the polygon, then it's not going to look right. Uh, that's why I say here is the normal of the face sufficient. It depends on what you're doing, uh, and also it is possible to generate the normals using Blender. I think in the OBJ format, you can get those um, uh, normal calculations for you. So I'm just going to show here, it took me a while to get this working correctly. And it's a lot of trial and error, but uh, in our init, uh, or actually I have init lights. So I set these materials to matte specular, shininess, light position. You can also set the ambient light, how much background light there is. Um, so I got the ambient set to blue. Uh, that should have been like zero. 0 0.2 right there. Uh, setting the shade model to smooth, and here we're setting material, geomaterial FV for the specular and shininess. Um, and then we enable the lighting, uh, light zero. And also I have down here, set the light position. I'm setting some of those properties down here as well. Um, yeah, this just takes a lot of trial and error to figure out the correct uh, values for a lot of these. I did go ahead and add a sphere. Uh, I mentioned that uh, that glut library has a glut solid sphere. So this creates a sphere sphere with radius 2. Um, I believe this is position 2016. Um, and then I have my standard cube right there. And there we're drawing the floor. So nothing else has really changed. So open GL09. So yeah, now you can see it has this blue tint. But if you notice when I rotate it, it kind of gets brighter and darker, which isn't right. I think that's because the normals aren't right. The normals should be pointing out from the corner, not with the same direction as the face. <clears throat> so that's why it's doing that light, dark. But it does show the basic functionality of... Uh, lighting. I will mention I was going to talk about texture mapping. I didn't get to it. That could be a talk for another day. But OpenGL does have uh, ability to do texture mapping. So what, how, how do we make a game out of this? So basically we want to add a player, an array of bullets, and an array of enemies. So if I was making a real game, then I'd probably do a linked list of enemies and bullets, but since this is just a demo, I'm just going to keep those as arrays since arrays are easier to define and work with without a library. If you're doing C++, it has the vector class. You could use that. Um, so we're going to initialize the player and then an enemy array, initialize uh, a bullet whenever the space key is pressed. Uh, we're also going to define glut idle font to specify the update function. Uh, we're also going to check when a bullet has collided with an enemy and that doesn't have anything to do with OpenGL at all right there that's that's standard collision method right there i did a, a couple of talks on 2d and 3d collisions if you want to know how that works it's pretty simple once you know what you're doing um but just want to say that doesn't have anything to do with OpenGL at all and then set the update method with glut idle funk 
Uh, here's the update to the code. So we're going to have three new structures, a structure for the player, tracking the players. And this is the same thing as cube, the X, Y, and Z position and the rotation. I was going to have the player draw itself, but I didn't do that. That should, could be removed. Uh, I'm going to have a bullet, X, Y, Z position, and an is alive property. Uh, and then an enemy with an XYZ position and an is alive property. So we're going to have the game objects defined here player, player, bullet, and an array of three bullets, and an array of three and array of eight enemies. In our init game, we're going to set the initial position of our player, and then we're going to loop through our eight enemies and set their XYZ positions and set is alive to one or true. Then, whenever the player shoots, we're going to create a bullet. And then we're going to look to see if uh, there's a position available to create a bullet in the array uh, for an array bullet that's not alive. And then in that position, we're going to set the X, Y, Z position of the bullet to X, Y, and Z of the player. Then set is alive to true. Then in our update, I just have update bullets. So for each of the bullets, oops, if the bullet is alive, then we're going to add 0.5 times 0.01667. That's going to move it 0.5 units in the Z direction for uh, every second, because 1 over 60 is 0.01667. And then on every update, we're going to check and see if, if the bullet has collided with any of the enemies. So we have a check collision method. So that's basically our circle collision right here, a squared plus b squared, square root of a squared plus b squared. So we're going to check the distance between the bullet and the player. Um, if that is less than the sum of the radius of the bullet and player, then they've collided, return one, otherwise return zero. So then if the bullet collides with the enemy, then we're going to set the enemy is alive property to zero and the bullet is alive property to zero. Otherwise, the bullet would just keep going <laughs> after it's collided with the enemy. Uh, here's our drawing methods. Basically, we're going to call draw player, draw enemies, and draw bullets. I have each of those in their own method. Draw player, that's just our same cube that we've been working with. Draw enemies, it's going to loop through the eight enemies in the array. If that enemy is live, then we're going to draw using that glutzold sphere of radius two. Um, and then for draw bullets, we're going to loop through each of the bullet positions in the bullet array. If it is alive, then we're going to draw the bullet in its position and then use the glutzold sphere to draw that bullet. Um, yeah, just be aware for each one of these, I'm calling geo push matrix, load identity, and geo pop matrix before drawing it. Um, then in our keyboard handler, we're going to add case 32, which is the space kick, the character code for space bar for a space. Then we're going to call create bullet. And then in our update method, we're going to call update bullets and then glut, glut post redisplay. So we're moving the glut post redisplay out of the keyboard handler into the update method. And then in our main method, before calling glut main leaf, we're going to call glut idle function update. So then that makes our update function work like an update in like Game Maker Unity or whatever. So here's what it looks like right here. We've got a key. We can move it in any of the directions. Then we've got our eight enemies, which are just basically these blue spheres up here. And then the bullet is a red sphere right there. Escape out of that. 
So go ahead, just to show this is the code right here where we've added the player and the bullet and the enemy. So if I was doing a real game, I would probably have the uh, game logic outside in its own function. Probably I'd have a player in its own C file, a bullet in its own C file, and an enemy in its own C file. That's the way I've typically done games. Here's where I would define the materials uh, for the cube, uh, for the lighting, and here's where we're initializing the game, setting the player X, Y, and Z, initializing the eight enemies, and then here's our create bullet right here, looping through zero through three bullets. Here's our update bullet, everything that I mentioned earlier, and here's our check collision method, and it's just really like five lines of code, really. Um, and yeah, that's basically it. And then we have our update, yeah, we call glut, glut idle funk update and update is the name of our method so an update we're going to update bullets and glut post redisplay <clears throat> we're going to do open gl10 so we can move left left and right and rotate but we press space to shoot so that's what's shooting those bullets and then after the bullet gets to a certain position if it hasn't hit an enemy and we can also shoot multiple bullets <laughs> at the same time uh, there's really no in-game state. This is just kind of like a proof of concept, just showing you can create a game in OpenGL um, space-style shooter game. So if you really develop this further, you'd want to have models imported and things like that. Uh, what OpenGL doesn't do, it doesn't do sound, music, or audio. Uh, you'll need to use another game library such as o S SDL. That's typically what I've used. Uh, there's also OpenAL, which I've heard a lot about. I haven't used it myself. Uh, it also doesn't do font or text. You can kind of do fonts uh, using bitmaps, but I haven't done that. Typically, I, I just use like a uh, the font methods out of SDL, not try to do my own fonts or anything, because I think SDL has the ability to read TTF files and make that simpler for you. Uh, OpenGL also doesn't handle joysticks or other input devices, so if you want to do gamepads or joysticks, uh, you want to use a game library like SDL or or any other of the other languages or that, that support OpenGL. I didn't add references. I'll, I'll be sure to include those. Yeah, so that's it for OpenGL. Hope everybody found, everybody found it useful. Uh, more of a history lesson. I don't know anybody that actually still does just like pure OpenGL, but it's good to know like how that works. And OpenGL may be used like underneath, uh, but uh, it's good to know how those things work behind the scenes. But anyway, uh, that's going to wrap it up for January 2024. Appreciate everyone out there listening and watching.